Welcome to Team Genius Audio. I'm your host and coach, George Fushing. Thanks for tuning in to discover strategies, expertise, and techniques to help all teams become dream teams. We're covering team craft, product craft, and leadership craft. This episode first appeared as a live stream on YouTube. Join me every week on my channel to be part of the live cast as it happens. Search for George Fushing or Team Genius on YouTube. And now it is time for this episode. Thanks again for joining. Hello, my name is George. Thank you very much for tuning in. I come to you from a background of about 20 years of teamwork in digital product development. Uh, the first 10 were pre-modern working practices. The last uh, 10 or the second 10 rather um, have helped me to learn more and more year by year about uh, things like Scrum, frameworks like Scrum and other delivery approaches. Now, when it comes to our work in uh, Teams, there is one activity um, the Scrum framework that is not an event, is actually officially called an, an activity, and it's very, very important. If you've ever talked to me about Scrum and your practice, it has definitely come up, and I've got quite a few stories to share. One of them is when uh, we were working across two teams on a very, very ambitious uh, initiative together with a client. And uh, we were structured in a way where um, we had to do refinement for both teams at the same time. And uh, that meant we needed to include almost 20 people in it. And no matter how good you are at facilitation, it's going to be a challenge. And there were certain issues that we really um, were unable to iron out due to how we were structured as teams and we were trying to change that and ultimately it happened, um, but not for a few months. And it was really, really challenging. So that was probably um, a, the, the one activity that was filled and filled with learning opportunities. And I got to contribute a lot. I got to learn a lot from other contributions of um, other people on the initiative. Um, but we all knew that it didn't have to be that hard. So uh, depending on how your team is structured, that in itself can have a big impact on uh, the work that you need to do in order to, um, in your minds and uh, uh, in your sketches and designs, create the product before you are ready to um, um, come together in a sprint and bring it to the world. A different story was when we worked in a very small team and we literally only had one developer one uh, designer and uh, one user experience designer. So one visual designer, one user experience designer with a product owner and me a scrum master. And that was it. You can probably guess that refinement was pretty smooth and pretty straightforward. Um, the most important thing is that we did it. So firstly, let's go back and work out what is the purpose of product back backlog refinement. It is the activity that is necessary for the team to come up with the solutions for the user needs that uh, we have identified that we want to serve, um, aka features or whatever you might want to call it. But there is something that we need to create that um, solves a need of the user or addresses a want of the user, and we need to create something. So product backlog refinement is the place where, as a team, we are working that out and we're figuring out what the ideal way is to do that. Not necessarily the best way, we will never find that, but the ideal way for right now and right then, based on the information that we have available. Um, it is a very, very natural part of product development 
Product development is not just sitting down and um, um, creating code or creating visual artifacts or whatever else might be required in your practice. The thinking about it, the ideas about it, the alignment around ideas, the exchanging of different ideas and coming out with something that's even better um, as a combination of different ideas, that is what is required uh, in order to create that. We, that is also, if we think about the realms where the product exists, is where we still have a lower cost of change, right? The cost of uh, change is the highest when the user has experienced your product. It's not even the product itself, is when the user has experienced the product. That experience is very hard to change. If we ship a suboptimal product and the customer or the user uses that, that will be um, difficult and experience to overcome with a great sensation afterwards. So most people talk about um, hard to change and they talk about the um, product once it's created in code. I talk about the product experience, the customer experience. That's when it's the hardest to change. Shortly followed by when it's out there and shipped and in the hands of the users, of course. Before that, where does the product exist? It exists in code artifacts, it exists in your product backlog, in uh, visual sketches and visual designs, everything that is documented in any sort of way, anything that is, that is uh, has been materialized or manifested, if you will, outside of the minds of the team. So then before that is through the conversation that the team is having and before that is in the ideas of the team members. So in the ideas of the team members, that is the lowest cost of change, shortly followed by when the team is going through product backlog refinement and um, collaborating together in order to come up with what they want to create. So it's um, not only a natural part of the product, but it's also necessary because that's where we still have a reasonably low cost of change if we want to react to new information or we want to change our minds. Or through the collaboration, the team comes up with an even simpler solution in order to create the same effect. Right? It's one of our agile principles. Right? Simplicity, the art of minimizing the work not done. Okay, so I think we've um, covered the basis around the purpose of product backlog um, refinement. The impact of um, practicing um, ever better product uh, refinement can be felt in literally every single Scrum event out there. If your product backlog refinement is going well and you have a tidy, nicely flowing um, product uh, backlog item creation flow and refinement flow, then you will notice that in sprint planning because you can actually do proper planning that is enjoyable and effective and you won't have to spend any time in the beginning um, to remind everybody on what the items uh, were and finding out that you actually need to split them down more or whatever it might be required, all of which are things that aren't part of planning. Right? So your planning will go smoothly, your daily, um, daily scrum will go smoothly because all the items are, are as clear as they need to be in order to start the uh, work in, uh, in earnest. And uh, therefore, the flow of uh, creation will go better and you will have a better sprint review because you're, um, being, uh, you're able to ship items, to create items more smoothly. And with that, you will also have a better um, sprint retrospectives because they actually have more successes to draw on and um, um, inspire you to go further and motivate you as a team, right? So good product backlog refinement can be felt everywhere else in your Scrum practice. Um, then after that, where are we going to go? We're going to go to when you might have product backlog refinement. Now, there is no one way to answer that question. It can go from a little bit every day to uh, larger chunks of time. 
The one thing that I would um, steer you away from is to have one large block of product backlog refinement somewhere in the sprint. Usually it takes up too much cognitive capacity and is a very draining activity. So trying to do it all in one go, um, I haven't seen that working. It's usually uh, a one-time attempt and everybody thinks, no, this is just too painful. Let's not do it this way. Let's split it up in at least two sessions, right? So um, in my experimentation, I found that one large block doesn't really work. It also doesn't make much sense because you don't have you have very little, little opportunity to react to change and to come back together as a team. So I would definitely steer you away from um, a once a sprint refinement session unless you have one one day sprints. I guess then I suppose one uh, product backlog refinement might make uh, sense. But I'm talking about the majority of teams who have usually two weeks. Um, I'm seeing a bit more uptake of one week sprints, um, but in those cases. Um, one is not enough and you might want to split it down so that you have more opportunity to respond to change and redefine more iteratively than you would with just one large uh, chunk event. Okay, so we've got uh, 10%, we've got um, the frequency and the timing. Um, so yeah, I've uh, worked with a few teams who just wanted to do it a little bit at a time and uh, they would do it after the daily scrum and stick around and refine product backlog items. So the um, question that that leads us to is how much product backlog refinement do you need to do? Well, it's linking a little bit to the um, purpose, um, which I actually haven't made all that explicit. Right, We want to get the product backlog in a state where we have enough work to pull into the next sprint and a bit. It doesn't happen often, but it happens sometimes that uh, things change a little bit uh, or things go very well during a sprint and the team is able to pull items um, into, um, the, into the sprint and start them, although they weren't actually originally planned to be worked on in the sprint. So it's always good to have a few additional ready items in the bank, in the product backlog, ready to be worked on. Um, does that mean as soon as you're there and you've got your one and a bit uh, sprints worth of um, product backlog items, you must stop? No, product backlog refinement is also an opportunity to look a little bit further ahead and start breaking down those even larger items, even more um, uncertain items that are out there. Um, um, but you want to you know, be very mindful of how much time of the team um, everybody is investing in order to do that, right? Because um, you want to continue to break items down, um, but there's no need to go all the way through to um, the product backlog if you happen to have a very long one, which isn't really advisable anyway. But let's say that you have a long one and there, is, there are good reasons for it. There's no need to go to the complete end of the list, right? The um, product owner can be um, ruthless with the bottom of the product backlog outside of product backlog refinement and um, uh, deal with the stakeholders who might have requested some items and uh, uh, help them see why a certain item isn't fit for the product backlog for one region or another. All right. So um, that hopefully gives you an indication as to how much uh, refinement you do and how you go forward. Um, when it comes to participation in product backlog refinement, um, I've got to experiment with a few different models. And um, generally speaking, it's always the Scrum team. It is really useful for everybody in the Scrum team to be part of um, product backlog refinement so that the collective um, product knowledge, holistic product knowledge, continues to evolve in the collective mind of the team as a whole. 
There are exceptions, of course. The team doesn't have to be together for everything, but for the, the, the core product back refinement, I think it's a really good idea. It's always been working um, well in favor of the team for that to happen. But of course, if there are smaller things that need to happen in um, from uh, time to time when the team is coming together, so for example, the um, some developers need to um, collaborate on some gnarly items a little bit more um, closely, more deeply with um, user experience designers. And um, there are some things to work out where the whole team's invest, uh, the whole team's time is too much of an investment. Then they will take that offline and bring it back and let the team um, learn what they've discovered. And again, that's another reason why it's useful to have more than one product back refinement um, activities during the sprints to account for those types of things. Um, I've got to experiment with representative models where one from each craft participates in the um, product backlog refinement. It has worked okay, but actually what uh, we were aware of and what we've made explicit is that the fact that there was a feeling that that was necessary or desired pointed to um, too much delivery uh, stress and delivery load on the team. And um, um, we try to remedy that but anyway that's a, that's a that's a different uh, that's a different story um, the one thing to bear in mind with such um, experiments is that anything that happens in product backlog refinement has to be shared back to the rest of the team so people don't um, fall out of the loop of the development of this um, collaborative and uh, holistic product knowledge in the joint in the, in the um, uh, in the overall mind of the of the team so um, Experiment with caution, I would say. Um, ideally, let the whole team really work together to um, build up the collective knowledge of the product in their mind. Uh, right, now, uh, what do you do in product uh, backlog refinement is the last and bigger section. And uh, there are many things here. I'm going to touch on the highlights. One key question that comes up is, do you um, estimate or don't you estimate? You can experiment with both. I got to experiment with both. Um, both approaches have been working um, in those scenarios where the team estimated with uh, story points. We use planning poker to help the team learn um, story points. At one point, they um, had aligned and calibrated their team-wide estimation uh, using story points and came up with pretty much the same number almost uh, for every product backlog item, at which point product backlog um, uh, planning poker, aka estimation poker, as I would like uh, to rather call it, because it's got no place in planning, uh, but every place in um, in, in uh, refinement or in estimation. And then you just drop it, right? Because the, the technique has done uh, its duty, has fulfilled its purpose. So don't worry about it anymore. Generally speaking, is it necessary? Is it a requirement to estimate? No, it's not. It fulfills a purpose. You need to be aware of what the purpose is. You could, as a team, collectively decide not to estimate as long as you ensure that the product backlog items are small enough, right? So invest criteria are still very useful um, that each product backlog item needs to be independent, negotiable, valuable, estimatable, um, sized appropriately, aka small and testable. And sized appropriately, aka small, does mean that a team um, should be able to turn around an item in a day or two, roughly speaking, right? So you can work out what your sprint, uh, what your sprint length is 
And uh, if as a team you work on an item for a day or two, that gives you a very rough indicator as to how many items you might want to break um, things down to, to have a reasonably good chance of completing them uh, in a splint in service of achieving an overarching single sprint goal. Um, so, and then over time, the um, number of items in your um, sprint backlog will give you an indication of your throughput and velocity and allow you to forecast um, with that in lieu of um, using StoryPine. So both are definitely possible. Um, just be sensible about which approach you use. If you experiment, make sure you um, have a, an actual hypothesis, how you test it, how you uh, validate whether it's working for you and how long that experiment is running for. Right, um, and breakdown, another, yeah, another guideline, uh, guidepost, if you will, for breakdown is when you break things down, uh, yes, of course, that can be painful because there are many ways to accomplish that. I'm actually going to link uh, the Agile for All workflow for splitting items, which um, I found very useful and um, all the teams I got to share with found it equally useful. And you want to break it down to a level where it is still meaningful and provides some value. Um, and uh, is at the same time uh, um, reasonably small enough. That means something for you in your context, um, cannot really be translated from team to team. So you will find your own way and your own uh, size of items. Um, just bear in mind product backlog refinement in the beginning when you get started with a new team, as you might have noticed already, is painful. It is getting better. It is so painful because what's happening is that several minds are um, aligning themselves around a common shared understanding of the product and the effort and the complexities involved with your given particular context. And that calibration and alignment takes time and effort. Once that is happening and once you um, uh, work with some of the tips and guidelines that I've shared here and try them out with your team, it will go smoother and smoother time and time again. And uh, with a little bit of uh, fun and facilitation in your product backlog refinement sessions, you will um, actually have an enjoyable event. And I promise you, if you get your product backlog refinement into a good, uh, good flow, you will feel the positive benefits and the um, uh, advantageous impact across your uh, Scrum workflow. So um, that was everything that I had to share on product backlog refinement. Please let me know whether you had any queries about anything that I've shared in here or any other tips that you might want to suggest in the comments uh, down below. And uh, with that, I would like to close this one off. And uh, thank you very much for watching. Um, give us a like if you uh, found something useful in this video and please consider subscribing so you get updates on uh, future videos. And with that, I would like to say goodbye and until the next time on Team Genius Live. See you in a future video. All the best for the practice with your team and goodbye.